Prices rising higher with the White House still trying to fight the impact of record-breaking inflation. But what about the impact here in Indiana? We'll talk with State Rep Greg Porter and White House Deputy Press Secretary Chris Marr. Plus one-on-one with A.G. Todd Rokita about the potential impact of a Supreme Court ruling on abortion. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Gas prices at record highs this week, over 440 a gallon nationwide, with Indiana's average right around that same mark this past week, with prices in our state up almost 25 cents in the last week. Now Indiana Democrats are calling on Governor Holcomb to suspend the state's gas tax. But as State House reporter Kristen Escow tells us, the governor says his hands are tied. Under the Democrats' proposal, if the gas tax in Indiana were suspended today, the price of gasoline could drop by as much as 56 cents a gallon. But right now, the governor isn't on board. Rising prices have Hoosiers feeling pinched at the pump. It's really expensive. It makes traveling a bit harder. Honestly, it does. Grass prices rise, so you got to cut back on some things because you still got to get groceries. Hoosiers are paying more in state gas taxes than ever before at 56 cents a gallon. State House Democrats want to provide some relief by suspending the state's gas tax for at least three months. State Representative Greg Porter is among those calling on Governor Eric Holcomb to take action. We got mem- uh, Memorial Days coming up. We had the summers coming up. Uh, you know, people want to travel, want to do, do things. But the governor says right now he doesn't have the power to suspend the gas tax. He said in a statement in part, quote, For an Indiana governor to suspend the gas tax through a declaration of an energy emergency, the state must have an existing or projected energy shortfall that would jeopardize life, health, and property. We have not met that threshold. Holcomb points out other states that have suspended their gas tax did so through their legislatures. Democrats proposed the idea before the end of session, but Republicans declined to move forward. Porter argues lawmakers can still take action. Although it could cost the state more than $400 million, Porter points out Indiana has access to new federal funds that can be used for roads, as well as an anticipated $5 billion surplus. There's a lot of issues, a lot of comments about how we can't get this done, but I really feel believe And I know that we can if we have the political will and the the will of the people. Indiana's gas sales tax changes each month based on the statewide average price for a gallon of gasoline. In Indianapolis, I'm Kristen Escal. Kristen, thank you. Meantime, in the nation's capital this week, President Biden announcing a new plan to try and fight inflation. Washington correspondent Trevor Shirley has more for us now from the D.C. Bureau. Trevor? Well, the president's plan lays out a number of strategy goals, but also focuses on a lot of efforts the White House has already said it wants to zero in on. The plan includes lessening dependence on foreign energy, lowering the cost of prescription drugs, and getting corporations to pay more in taxes. As we all know, inflation's at a 40-year high, with the price of nearly everything from gas to food up significantly over last year. The White House continues to blame Vladimir Putin and the war in Ukraine primarily for the increase in energy prices. The administration also calls out Republicans for what the president says are dangerous tax policies that will further hurt middle-income Americans. President Biden is also expected to call on Congress to pass laws helping American farmers and help lower the cost of child care. Because of the actions we've taken, America's in the stronger position to meet this challenge than just about any other country in the world. Some of the roots of the inflation are outside of our control, to state the obvious. 
But there are things we can do and we can address and we need to do. It's also not clear at this point how much of what the president wants will actually get taken up and voted on by Congress. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley. Okay, Trevor, thanks. Meantime, President Biden was just across the border in the state of Illinois this week talking with farmers south of Chicago about the impact of these rising prices. This week, I spoke with White House Deputy Press Secretary Chris Marr. When realistically might we see things improve when it comes to the inflation we're experiencing in our economy? Well, look, we've made a lot of progress over the first uh, 15 months of the administration. Unemployment rate is at a historic 3.6%, uh, a place that economists didn't think we'd be uh, for a number of years emerging out of the pandemic. Uh, job growth is also historic. Uh, we've uh, added more than 80% uh, of the jobs that we lost during the pandemic. But the president understands that we have a lot of work left to do. And that's why uh, he's laser focused at inflation. He understands that this is one of the biggest challenges that families are facing. Uh, on your question, you know, economists uh, predict that we're going to start to see uh, inflation uh, ease uh, as we get into the summer and into the fall. But the president's not sitting around and waiting. He's uh, jumping into action, whether it's working to lower prices at the gas pump uh, to lowering the prices that people are paying uh, when they go to the grocery store every day. Uh, he's doing everything in his power uh, to put more money in people's pockets. And you're from the Midwest originally. You worked with Mayor Pete in 2020. You're from this region. So you know the impact all of this is having here. Do, do you think some of these policies can, can really have the kind of immediate effect that, that people here might want to see? Well, look, when you talk about some of the legislative proposals that the president has put out there, you're talking about cutting the cost of child care. You're talking about cutting the cost of health care. You're talking about cutting the cost of elder care. You know, a person with diabetes uh, pays sometimes up to thousands of dollars a month for uh, a vial of insulin that costs $10 to produce. There's no reason that that person should be paying that much for insulin. So the president thinks that we should cap the cost of insulin at $35. Uh, so, you know, if we can get some of this legislation uh, passed and through Congress and signed into law, that will have an immediate impact on people's wallets. Indiana Senator Todd Young recently said rising prices are the direct result of policy choices by President Biden and Democrats in D.C. What's your response to that? Have some of this administration's policies led to some of the inflation that we have seen? Well, my response to the senator would be, uh, what's your plan? What's your plan to fight inflation? The, the Senate Republicans have put forward a plan that would increase taxes on lower and middle-class families across the country. 75 million families would see a tax increase if their plan uh, were to move forward. Uh, Social Security and Medicare, uh, programs that millions of Americans rely on every day would sunset every five years under the Republican plan. The president has a plan. We're uh, working every day to lower prices for the American people. And so I would ask, uh, who has your back? The president who's fighting every day to lower costs for the American people or Senate Republicans who are talking about a plan that would increase taxes on middle-class Americans. Finally, here on abortion, I wanted to ask you, what's the administration expecting in terms of the Supreme Court and what we'll see from the court later this year uh, on that issue? Do you, do you think this topic will only divide this country further here in the months to come? 
Well, obviously, uh, the leaked draft opinion uh, was very concerning to the president and to the administration, uh, which is why uh, we're looking at uh, every potential policy option uh, that we can to try to uh, protect a woman's right to choose. Um, we're, uh, you know, the decision isn't final, um, but once it is, I expect that you will hear more from the president about uh, what we're going to do uh, to try to protect a woman's right to choose. Okay, meantime, on that topic of abortion, the U.S. Senate voted this week on a bill that would have codified Roe v. Wade and enshrined additional abortion rights into federal law. As expected, it did not pass the Senate, with every Republican and one Democrat voting against it. Basil John has the latest today from Washington. This comes after a leaked draft opinion indicated the Supreme Court is set to overturn Roe v. Wade, something Democrats say cannot happen. Ahead of an expected Supreme Court ruling, Wednesday, Senate Democrats made a doomed attempt to protect abortion rights. Few questions are more personal, more private, and more complicated than those involving a pregnancy. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says it's important for lawmakers to stand against conservative Supreme Court justices. If the Supreme Court follows through on that decision, it will be the greatest contraction of individual rights in generations. Vice President Kamala Harris is disappointed with the outcome. Sadly, the Senate failed to stand in defense of a woman's right to make decisions about her own body. Michigan Democratic Senator Debbie Stabenow says it's important to trust women in America. And this is about their choice, not a bunch of politicians deciding what's best for them. But Republicans like Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and South Dakota Senator John Thune reject the bill. It ignores modern science. It is tone deaf to public opinion. The American people don't even come close to supporting abortion on demand up until the moment of birth. New York Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik says abortion isn't what Democrats should focus on. They're spending more time focusing on that than they are focusing on the supply chain crisis when it comes to baby formula, which is a crisis hurting babies and families across this country. Because of Senate rules, any bill on abortion will need 60 votes to advance. Reporting in Washington, I'm Basil John. All right, so what could a Supreme Court ruling potentially mean here in the Hoosier State? This week, our Kristen Eskow spoke one-on-one -on -one with Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita. If Indiana were to pass a law that's very similar to the Texas legislation, are you concerned about the amount of litigation that Indiana could face because of that? Well, I'll tell you what, this office, and, and it was before me, uh, whether it was Curtis Hill, Greg Zeller, Steve Carter, uh, has been a staunch defender of the legislature. Indiana legislature when they passed pro-life legislation. And so that's continuing for certain uh, with my administration. We do spend a lot of time and a lot of money already, a lot of your money already, on uh, preserving uh, the life issue and, and, and pro-life legislations. Uh, so uh, that will continue. This is a very emotional issue for everybody. It's a very significant issue. That's not lost on me. I'm not trying to run over or ignore other people's thoughts on it. It's not that. Uh, but it, because it is, you, know, you can argue, the, the preeminent issue of, our, of the last two or three generations, and maybe for the next two or three, 
you're going to see your attorney general's office spend a lot of time and money on it. In terms of Indiana um, and pot potential abortion legislation, do you believe there should be exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of mother? Well, I'm not a lawmaker. That'll be up to our lawmakers. Uh, but it's a fair question in the sense that I used to be one, and, and my record is, is very clear on that. It has been since day one. And I'm, uh, you know, and I'm also a practicing Catholic, and I have a son. Kathy and I have a son. He has a diminished intellectual capacity. Life, to me, in whatever form God gives it, is precious. And, and so, uh, for all those reasons, um, my position is life should be protected without exception. So you'd be in favor of a total abortion ban? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I believe. That's what I've been in public office for. Again, I'm not a lawmaker anymore, so it's not up to me. Uh, but the point is, is that what, 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 what a question like that assumes is that there's only one life or that one life is inherently uh, deser more deserving of protection than the other. Very difficult question. Thank gosh, it, it, you, the actual situation when someone has to decide, one of us has to decide which life to protect, it comes very rarely. Uh, but we have to have respect for the fact that there are two lives, not just one. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk more about that with our panel, about the Attorney General's comments there on abortion with the Supreme Court ruling potentially just weeks away. We'll have the latest. And an Indiana Republican visits the White House as the president signs a bill dealing with the conflict in Ukraine. All right, let's bring in our panel now. With us today on Zoom, UND political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson and Politico's Adam Wren. And here in studio, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston, and former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Robin, I'll start with you. We mentioned the, the economic news off the top there. How concerned are you not just about the political ramifications of all these high prices, but the practical ones as well in, in terms of the impact it has on our economy right now? I'm very concerned, and I'm, luckily, the guy that has a lot more clout, the president's concerned. Uh, he's addressing the issue at the federal level. He's talking about expanding, you know, trying to make sure that we bring inflation down. He said the, uh, last week that inflation was his number one priority. But it does resonate, Dan, and we ought to be concerned about it as we head into these midterm elections. So we are trying to do something as a party about it. What about the gas tax? Indiana Democrats had called uh, for the gas tax to be suspended. Governor Holcomb says he can't do that right now. It did happen. Uh, back in the O'Bannon administration, what, what do you think should happen now here at the state level? Well, I, I don't want to second guess the governor because he knows where the money is and what he has it, what he has it allocated for. So, but I, you know, it's it's a great populist kind of thing to do. I mean, O'Bannon did it when it was like a dollar eighty or two dollars a gallon or something sure. like that. And it was a good move and it gave him some short-term gain. But the the bigger problem is that the the, the gas tax is not such that it's going to solve any of our problems. The problems have to be solved at the national level. Um, I was in Chicago yesterday, spent $6 a gallon. I bought just wow. enough to get over to the Indiana side of the border, you know, in Merrillville. And then so filled I buy, up again in Indiana. filled it up yeah. again for $4.50 a gallon. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You have that, you have the housing market starting to crash, you have interest rates and inflation. It's all coming together. This is the most disastrous administration since, I hate to say it, Jimmy Carter. All right, let's change topics here and turn to uh, Laura and Adam next as we discuss the other big item making news ahead of the midterms, the Supreme Court's looming abortion case. We heard the attorney general there earlier, as he said, he's not a lawmaker, but uh, nonetheless striking to hear him say that he'd support a near total ban on abortion, including cases involving rape. And Laura, this 
Just 10 years after an Indiana Republican, Richard Murdoch likely lost a Senate bid for expressing similar views in a live debate. And many of us remember that very well, you know, in terms of what Murdoch said and how that ultimately led to his defeat for that Senate race. I think what you see here is this interesting juxtaposition between economic issues, which loom for us all. For some, it's a pinch. For others, it's a punch, but it hurts everyone. And then also the prevailing social issues and, and the questions in terms of abortion, the state's involvement, things like that. Um, it's obviously these are highly political um, and they impact everyone, albeit in different ways. So watching how this plays out is obviously very important in the next coming coming weeks and months. Uh, Adam Rokita's comments there. What, what does all this tell you about where some in the GOP are today, 10 years after uh, those comments from from Richard Murdoch? Yeah, Dan. Well, Rokita has been willing to be more specific here than a lot of his fellow GOPers have been in recent weeks. For instance, Mike Pence, uh, the former vice president, has been one of the most pro-life figures in the country for decades now. And yet, if you look closely at his statements, we really don't know uh, whether he would agree with Rokita. Uh, Senator Todd Young, we're not quite sure where he stands. We know that he supports repealing Roe, but the uh, Roe, but the gradations of that were not as clear on. So you've really kind of got the dog that has caught the car here uh, with Republicans not sure how specifically to go into depth about how they view uh, when life begins and what whether there should be exceptions or not. And Mike, there are some in your party, including Congresswoman Nancy Mace, herself a rape victim, have said she thinks the GOP does need to make room for policies that include those kinds of exceptions. Uh, Adam mentioned the piece Tom LoBianco did on, on Pence this week on Yahoo.com about the former VP and the former governor, Mike Pence. He hasn't been incredibly specific about where he would draw that line. And really, for that matter, Governor Holcomb hasn't had a lot, a lot to say about the specifics of what kind of bill he might support either. Well, I think there needs to be room in both parties, frankly, for people of different views. I mean, I know a lot of pro-life Democrats. I know a lot of pro-choice Republicans. You don't throw them out of the party because of one view on one issue is, is, is uh, as difficult as that issue yeah. is for everybody. Um, I just don't think it happened. Now, Mike Pence's position on, on life has never been compromised. He's been for it. When he was governor, it's the one issue he would not, you know, not consider any compromise on. Um, I think that Tom, who's a good friend of, our, of all of ours, is picking out some questionnaires and things that have been answered in the past um, about pro-life positions, and you got to look at how were the questions asked to develop the answers. Robin, how do you see all of this playing out here practically and, and politically this year? Practically, I think that women and people who support the right to choose are going to vote in record numbers. Um, you know, we have Supreme Court justices, three of them that went before the Senate in testimony and said that it was already stated law, they didn't see a need to change it, and they haven't even been in office two years and already talking about changing a law that's been on the books for 50 years. I don't know the rationale that you look a rape victim in the face and say, you've been raped, but you have to bring this child to term and no matter what. I think that I think the people of Indiana and the people of America are going to look at a more compromising position. I think it's going to be reflected in November. We also saw this week a candidate running for Congress against Victoria Sparks uh, tell us a bit of her personal stories dealing with rape and abortion. Uh, meantime, speaking of Sparks, she was at the White House this week alongside President Biden on a bill signing dealing with Ukraine and a land lease program. She's also offering her own legislation as the conflict continues there. Laura, she certainly offers a, a perspective, Sparks does, that's, that's much more personal than most as a native of Ukraine. And she's the first Ukrainian-born member of Congress. I think that perspective and 
viewpoint is really invaluable. This is also a really neat opportunity for bipartisan efforts and to see her as a Republican working with the Biden administration, obviously Democrat, a, a lot of times united we stand. And I think you definitely see that come out here. Adam, meantime, Sparts also facing some critical press in recent days in a story about the work environment in her office amidst uh, frequent turnover amongst amongst her staff there. Yeah, I mean, this has been an open secret in GOP politics here in Indiana for a long time. I talked to one operative uh, last week who, who told me that uh, this story could have been a lot worse than it was. Um, and it was surprised it was only just coming out now. Um, and certainly, you know, we know from our colleagues, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, Shabazz's interview with her in Indy politics this past week, that she doesn't seem repentant about it. She said that, uh, that younger uh, workers for her need to toughen up. Okay, we'll talk with Sparts and her opponent in this year's elections coming up next week. Meantime, coming up next, nurses taking to the streets to protest in Indiana as the nation marks a tragic milestone in the midst of this pandemic. Flags flying at half-staff this week to honor the nearly one million Americans who've died from the coronavirus. Numbers have been back on the rise. President Biden now calling on Congress to pass more funding for testing, treatments, and vaccines to prevent future outbreaks. Meantime, Indiana nurses are trying to bring national attention to the growing nursing shortage and working conditions that they say are only getting worse. They say these issues have to be addressed before anything will improve. The state currently has around 4,000 open, open nursing positions. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Robin, I'll start with you. The CEO of Eli Lilly, uh, David Ricks, who at the Economic Club, laid out the challenges that our state needs to address. CEOs rarely do that, particularly at the Economic Club, and we've got substantive issues that need to be addressed. Mike? I have one winner this week, actually, and it is a good friend of all of ours. Charlie Hiltunen was notified today that he won a spot on the National Board of the, of the NRA. Uh, whether you agree with the whole issue of constitutional carry or not, he is a voice of influence now nationwide on gun policy. All right, Adam? Yeah, Bro Criff, the new editor of the Indianapolis Star, uh, for leading his team to be a finalist with uh, Pulitzer work this week. And my loser is Victoria Sparts for poor leadership in her congressional office. Laura. A great loss for us, unfortunately, in higher education in Indianapolis. Our president, Rob Manuel, will be leaving after 10 years. He's done a tremendous effort on campus, and we're very sad to see him go. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you again next weekend on In Focus.